Our first scripture reading comes from Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 21. And we read there, Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol, whether in the form of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquity of parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation for those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not make wrongful use of the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not acquit anyone who misuses God's name. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. You shall not do any work. You, your son or your daughter, your male or female slave, your livestock or the alien resident in your towns. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, but rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and consecrated it. Honor your father and your mother so that your days may be long in the land that is the Lord your God, that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover your covet your neighbor's wife or male or female slave or ox or donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. When all the people witnessed the thunder and lightning, the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled and stood at a distance. Said to Moses, you speak to us and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come only to test you and to put the fear of God upon you so that you do not sin. Then the people stood at a distance while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. And the New Testament reading for the morning is Galatians 5 verse 1 and verses 13 through 15. Christ has set us free for freedom. Therefore, stand firm and don't submit to the bondage of slavery again. You were called to freedom, siblings, only don't let this freedom be an opportunity to indulge your selfish impulses, but serve one another for through love. All the law has been fulfilled in a single statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour each other, be careful that you don't get eaten up by each other. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Thanks be to God. Well, our job this morning, thankfully, unlike in the lectionary in Lent, which says, here, you deal with every single one of these commandments in one Sunday, our job this, this week is just to deal with the overview and to talk through what does it mean to even look at the commandments, and then from here on, we're going to look at each one separately. So, Andy, I'm curious about what strikes you generally about this text in Exodus that you think everybody needs to hear? Well, right off the top, 
I mean, right at the top. That's what really strikes me right away. Because I think when I think of the Ten Commandments, I think about like stone carved tablets with them listed that are in mon monuments in public buildings or framed up in my grandmother's uh, living room or wherever. And I would see these. And more often than not, they start with the actual commandment and they leave off the first verse that we read this morning. I'm going to try to scroll down here and point that out. Uh, we, more often than not, it begins with, uh, you shall have no other gods before me. There's the first commandment. Number one. Yeah, number one, have no other gods before me. But what they leave out is so important because it's the context of where these commandments come from. As you and I were talking earlier and you pointed out in some of the work that you did, um, God already had a covenant with the people here. This isn't new. This isn't fresh. Um, so God already had relationship and points out here, I am the God that brought you out of the house of slavery. I think this is incredibly important because basically God is juxtaposing God's self to be a God of freedom. I have created you to be free. I have liberated you from slavery. And having done that, here are some guidelines for how to live in that freedom. And I think that's, it's important to note as well that these are never called commandments in scripture itself. Scripture talks about it as being, uh, these are matters or these are words. Uh, these are the words of God, not necessarily commandments. So they, it's almost like God is saying, uh, now that I brought you into this place of freedom, here's, here are some touch points for how to live well in this freedom that I've brought you to. And I think furthermore, especially when the first one is, you shall have no other gods before me, I'm wondering if there's, uh, if a reading of that is, if you were to have these other gods, these gods actually keep you in bondage mm -hmm. because they give you a sense of, of false hope or you are afraid that if you don't do these things, like if you have the God of, of sun or water or earth or all the different idols that you've built that you count on worshiping and appeasing, that actually holds you in a state of bondage. Yeah. I've created you for freedom. And so here are some words. Definitely there's, there needs to be boundaries within that freedom, right? But it's... Um, if you are to have other gods before me, you'll be back in the bondage that is adhering to all the expectations that you think that God has. Does that make sense? It does. In fact, it's totally the thing that strikes me as well. I, it is the relationship amongst all of these once you know that first one, right? Yeah. It's almost like you can't unsee it um, because if, if you really do it, pay attention to how this is structured, right? God explains like this top part, the part about I am your God and no idols in a way that none of the other ones are explained. Like I have a lot of questions about false witness, but we get nothing, mm -hmm. right? I don't, I want to know more about that. 
And instead we get all of the stuff about idolizing. And I wonder if that's because God's perspective is if you really understand what it means to be free and you really remember what it was like in Egypt when you weren't free or whatever your Egypt is now, right? We all have an Egypt. Um, If you really remember what that was like, then you would not be able to look at another person and harm them. You wouldn't be able to look at God's creation, the animals that God made and kill them. You wouldn't be able to steal from someone else or harm their body like through adultery or sexual uh, abuse. You wouldn't be able to do that because what you would be seeing is me instead of whatever it is you're idolizing, your own uh, personality, your own um, sense of being in charge of something, your own ego, whatever it is you're idolizing over here, if you really knew what it meant to see me, then you would see me in all of these. So I don't have to explain it. And I, I, I'm curious about how, as we talk about this over the next 10 weeks, we're going to start to see those connections happening. And I wonder if by the end of it, we're just going to be like, Oh yeah, this one's about that one again. This one's about the first one again. Well, it's, it's uh, like, as if they all boil down and we've read in scripture where they all boil down. They all boil down. And that's what, that's where I think Paul is, what he's desperately trying to communicate in Galatians 5. It's why that immediately came to mind for me, because here's Paul having been a Pharisee and knowing the law. And you and I were talking also about how whenever we get a good set of rules, we tend to expand that. Right? Get them bigger and bigger, more rules. Exactly. And that's why we end, that's why we end up with a, a we have laws and laws upon laws upon laws. And we have, I, I was talking to you about seeing classroom rules that extend to like 10 or 20 classroom rules. And, and we, I even was able to tease you about the length of the book of discipline a little Which bit. In the 1700s was like 20 pages. Yeah. 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 That's what we end up doing. And the same thing happened with the Israelites who just continued to explore, well, okay, well, what does that mean? Well, we'll add this. And then, so, well, let's interpret it this way. And it means this. And uh, to the point where Paul is like, okay, okay, you've made this so convoluted. Yeah. Um, it isn't actually about the law at all. It's about the spirit. If, if you've created all these laws that have, you've become slaves to, again, you're back to being in slavery to these laws. And, and though I, I, you know, we were joking about how Paul, sometimes he gets so desperate to communicate that he'll say things four or five ways. And it's even what he's saying is more convoluted. But I think the essence of what he's saying is that you're, you're made free in Christ to understand that, that it is the spirit of this law that is what is important. It's not getting bogged down in the details, right? Yeah. Though I think that there's, you know, a, maybe a first and foundational problem, even with what we're saying, which is a lot of it has to do with how you see God at all. And so the piece that you brought in about, I brought you out of the house of slavery is absolutely the cornerstone of the whole text, because only a God who loves justice and 
pays attention to the cries of the needy and listens carefully with compassion would have done that. But we, we know that how you think about God deeply affects how you think about and act towards your neighbor, right? So if, if you think God is judging and unchanging and filled with wrath at you and wants you to be in slavery to rules and laws and uh, boxed in all the time, well, then that's how you're going to be with other people. And if you think God hates people who are different or who live differently, then you will too, right? And that will make sense. Uh, but if you believe in a God of freedom, then you're going to look at the world in a completely different way. And frankly, you're going to look at these rules in a completely different way, if we're going to call them rules. They're gonna, you're going to look at these matters in a completely different way and ask questions about them differently than if you thought that God was just going to curse you forever and ever, which I want to say I, I have never, despite having read this text uncountable times, had this thought about it until I heard your voice saying this. So God does say, if you don't do this, there, is, there are impacts for generations, right? Then the way that it's stated in the text is that it's a curse. Mm -hmm. um, and that, that's like three or four generations. But if you do them well, I noticed for the first time, the impacts of doing them well are almost eternal. It's for a thousand generations. And so it, it flipped for me when I heard you say that, oh, this is a God who is much more concerned with the long-term impact on the community and really wants people to hear like the, the loving thing to do, the way to be together has so much more import to me than, than you could ever imagine. Please do this. That's where the goodness comes from. That was fascinating. I'd not noticed that before. Yeah. I, that's basically God is concerned about the entire scope of humanity present this. and future yeah totally yeah. I, I also uh i think it's a, what what paul says is important and i i hear the tone in paul's voice is almost pleading in in galatians 5 this is it's all of it is summed up in love your neighbor as you love yourself right. and and the shema is love god and love neighbor love of god and love of neighbor um so important to be able to boil it down and yet to have these touch points. Yeah. These, what does that look like? What does that mean? Also still important. And, and here's what I want to start talking about what I see as at least good news for someone like me. And it may not be so, such good news for somebody else, but these rules, these commandments, these matters, these words, automatically come with gray areas. And, and I think that's part of the freedom. Um, you were talking about how this is an invitation uh, that God gives us to a conversation to talk about these matters, these things. I love that you said this is God, you know, um, before we started recording, you said this is God lobbing the volleyball over the net and being like, here, now, now toss it back, right? Um, that there, we should be talking about what these mean. We should be interpreting them. And unfortunately, that means some of us are going to interpret them in ways that are, that are difficult and painful for others and contradictory with how others see these particular matters. But there's also some freedom in that to figure, to figure this out, to not have to stick to the letter of the law, but to try to understand the spirit of the law and live that out. Yeah. Um, 
graciously, knowing we're going to mess them up, right? I mean, I, I've probably violated a few of these and it's not even noon. So we're, we're going to... You're saying not in your lifetime, but like just today. Yeah, just today. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and knowing that, that God is a gracious God and a God of second, third, fourth, umpteenth chances to to lean into these and to do this what is ultimately there's these are um matters of love yeah. and to love well in this way i think that that's that's huge and i think it's the difference between if we stick to the letter of the law then we we tend to become punitive and we stop seeing people as human beings who may struggle with um what it means would it mean you tell me thou shall not kill but what does that mean for if i i need to provide meat for my family right we we know the scene in in limez where jean valjean steals a loaf of bread to feed his starving family i don't think any of us look at him and like 10 commandments in fact the priest gives him the 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 all of the um the candlesticks and and the fine metal because there's an understanding that there's grace within these guidelines. I know for some that that's uncomfortable because I, some of us want to know, some of us who like, want to adhere to rules and know what the rules are, want to be like black and white, here it is. Mm. I don't I don't think the struggle, and this is the good news for some of us, I think it's definitely good news for me. I don't think the struggle is, I want to know what the rules are so I can follow them. I think the struggle for humanity is, we want to know the rules so that we don't have to follow them. We can get it. The gray areas feel really good to most of us because we want to be in the gray area. And, mm -hmm. but what we want is the black and white to apply to other people. And so I think that that's a really fascinating place where our conversations will go over the next 10 weeks is, you know, why are some of these given more weight than others, not in the text, but by us? Is it because we desire that rule to be stronger or is it because we want other people to have to follow it. Um, and, and that's where the good news like largely comes in for me is how practical this is. It's like be in conversation about these. The, here's here, yeah, God's lobbing the volleyball over the net and you're supposed to toss it back. When the Israelites toss it back the first time, the way they toss it back is by immediately breaking the, the rule about idols, right? They, without even taking a pause, they immediately take off all their gold jewelry, burn it down and make it into a, a golden calf. Like five minutes later, they've already broken one of the rules. And interestingly, God receives that not well, <laughs> but doesn't just end the project. Right. God right. says, okay, uh, I told you it would make me mad. It did. And now we're going to go back to the conversation and they just keep building this relationship, even as the, as the Israelites follow it really well in their seasons where they do a really good job of being in that relationship. And then there's seasons when they break the covenant over and over again. And so that's the good news for me is like, we're all called to be about the practical work of the ethics of these and to constantly be saying, what does it mean to idolize? What does it mean to uh, engage in adultery. What does it mean to bear false witness? And if any one of us is like, no, I know exactly what it means. And if you don't agree with me, then you're a bad person or not a Christian or fill in the blank. Actually, what's really helpful to me is I can look at that person and be like, oh, you are not following 
thousands of years of Israelite and then Jewish and then Christian history around how this works. You yeah. aren't actually in the conversation with God anymore. And yet, you know, the church has been guilty of that far, far, far too often. All the time. So guilty of just of saying, nope, we've got this interpreted. We've got it down. Here are the rules. And thank God we figured that one out. Yeah. And here's how, how here are going to be the consequences yeah. to you, oh, person in the church. Right. Because you have violated what we've decided is this matter instead of the conversation around the matter, which is so essential for us to, to be communities of grace and love and encouragement and also like understanding and talking about boundaries, super important. Uh, but to do it in such a way where the spirit is love and not punishment. Right. It, I mean, I think that that's essential. And as we work through this series, we're going to see over and over again, places in especially the gospels and the epistles, probably the, a lot in the book of Acts as well, where people have not attended to the, these words, to these matters well, and somebody like Jesus or Peter or Paul or one of the other disciples or apostles looks at them and says, I know that one's really hard, isn't it? I think that we're going to say your faith has made you well, like go and sin no more instead of this other response that you talk about with consequence. I mean, there are consequences. There's consequences to yourself and the people around you and the world, but the church doesn't need to impose those consequences because they're getting imposed naturally by the situation in many ways. And I think we're going to see that story play out a lot, actually. Yeah, I think ultimately, too, and I, I love what you said a little bit earlier about how these, these build upon each other to ultimately be a message of love, love, love your neighbor, neighbor, love God and love neighbor, and that it, it boils down to that. I think because what we have a tendency to do, and we talked about this with the fruits of the spirit as well, is, well, I'll make a list, make a good old fashioned list, and we'll knock all these out as long as we adhere to this list, but it's not about list making. And I forget, you, you had a uh, commentator that you had mentioned who said that that's something like, that's not the project. If you try to adhere to these as a list, you're going to fail. You're doomed to failure, but that's not ultimately what it's about. And to me, uh, well, just my personality wise, that's, that's good news. That's yeah. good news. It doesn't mean I, I, I mean, I definitely should probably pay attention to these rules, to these matters, to these issues, these commands, these words, definitely need to pay attention to them just to be a decent human being. Um, but at the well, same and, and to stay in touch with where, where am I with God? Right. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, I think that we'll have a lot of, we, we might argue a little bit during this, this one. And I, I'm kind of looking forward to it. Um, we'll, Good. we'll see how that goes. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so I've got some questions for us. Awesome. I'm just going to ask what questions do you have? So yeah, I think, I think that there are a couple of questions that come to mind for us on this one. Um, looking forward, especially we'll, we'll have specific questions about each one, but this is more generalized. I mean, for some of it, for, for you and I, we were just curious about people's stories, about their encounters with the Ten Commandments. Like, what initially comes to mind for you when you hear 
the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And Andy gave an example earlier of like, do you think of Charlton Heston? Do you think about, you know, the time when you wrote into your legislator protesting having the Ten Commandments on, um, on public land? Like, what is the thing you associate with Ten Commandments? Did you learn them in, in Sunday school when you were five? What is it? Uh, tell that story. And then uh, the second question is, as you start to look at these, are, are there ones that have particularly big gray areas for you? Mm. Are there ones that you have a lot of questions about how they get applied? And then finally, related to the Galatians text, but through the lens of the Exodus text, what does true freedom in Christ mean to you, especially if it needs to include boundaries? What does true freedom in Christ mean to you? So those are our three questions. Uh, we'll talk about them during the uh, questions of the people time right around 1030 on Sunday. And Andy, I think you're going to pray and then I'm going to sing this morning. So you want to pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Loving God who guides us and leads us by way of words and matters and also by way of your Holy Spirit who is present with each and every one of us at all times. We thank you for this conversation, for this opportunity to begin to talk about um, this important, important text, these guidelines, these rules, these matters. We pray that your spirit would continue to move and that we ultimately, in the course of all of this conversation, all of this learning in this this uh, discussion, that it would lead to our growing in our love for you and our love for one another, realizing that that is what we were designed for, to love you and to love others. We give you thanks, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name and all the holy names of God. Amen. Amen. All right, friends. It's always so good to be able to sing these benediction words to you as we go. So hear these words of blessing, even in the midst of big challenge, deep challenge, wide challenge this week. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make God's face to shine upon you and be gracious 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 to you the lord lift up god's countenance upon you and give you give you give you peace Stay home and indoors in peace, in peace, in peace, to love and serve the Lord. Amen. Love you all. Miss you. Miss you.